you're the CHO and, you know, every company needs to have one of you. <laughs> that is it for sure. That is for sure. And welcome to another edition of Across the County. I'm Noah. Thanks for joining me. Well, on today's show, I have a tremendous guest and I'm pretty excited about it because not only do I have a tremendous guest, but I thought, hey, with the topic we're talking about, there's somebody in mind that will be a tremendous co-host and add a lot to the discussion. And of course, I'm talking about guest-wise, Desi Carson, and she is so many different things. She's an advocate, a speaker, a writer. One of the things that she is, is one of my favorite titles. And I just think it speaks volumes about what she is and what she does. She's a mental health champion. Let that sink in for a bit. And I'm picturing she's got like a, you know, heavyweight championship belt here because she's just the master at it. A community builder, a social activist, a coach and advisor, and so much more. Desi, it's so good to have you on my show finally. Yes. Thank you for finally having me on your show instead of one that you produce, which are all great shows too. <laughs> well, I, I originally discovered you on the James Cooley show, It's Your Life, and instantly was just enamored by how bubbly you are and the fact that you make such an important matter out of mental health, because now I think it's actually gaining traction. There's still a long ways to go, but you really just call it out like it is. This is just as important as physical health. We need to take care of our mental health as well. Yeah, we honestly do. And and we need to start operating with a little less fear and talking about it and talking about our symptoms. And part of that is reminding people that there don't need to be consequences for showing uh, any vulnerability or weakness or that something is going on, if we could take those consequences away, then it makes it a lot easier to have the conversation. I agree with that. And we'll get to your background here in just a bit. But I said I have a special co-host and I do because we're going to intersect all of this with the topic of happiness. And the person that I know is the official CHO, Chief Happiness Officer of Across the County. And of course, I'm talking about my good friend, Edwin Edaberry. Edwin, thanks for taking on the task, my friend. I'm glad to have you. Hey, I am so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, that's definitely a pleasure meeting you over the phone. Yes, I'm so excited to meet you and do this show with both of you. <laughs> well, if you want to find out more about Edwin, go to Ask thecho.com, askthecho.com. And also he has a tremendous organization, the Happy Neighborhood Project, and it's Happy Business Networking. And that's exactly what it is and how it sounds. Go to happyneighborhoodproject.com. We'll get there in just a bit. But let's start off, Desi, how did you get into the field of mental health and why did you realize that it was such an important topic to get to and to talk about and to explore on a daily basis? So my journey getting into it is the fact that I have mental health and we all do. That's why we get into it because it's relevant for all of us. Um, I definitely started being more of an advocate champion uh, back when I was in college and I was volunteering and I was working for anonymous hotlines. So helping people through uh, mental health issues and taking like, for example, live suicide calls. And we had to help deescalate the situation and things like that. Um, but really the true motivation is my own mental health journey. And I am very open about my journey. I have a diagnosis of bipolar too. And so what that means is you get a whole slew of symptoms that are found in lots of other uh, mental illnesses. And that has, I found has really helped me talk to people 
about what they're going through. Um, I found that I needed to get my story out there and that I needed my community of care and I need people to understand me. And so it made me realize that being understood, being seen is the most important thing. And if I can help someone else do that for someone in their network, then that's just a beautiful thing. That is so awesome. You know, first of all, I think I just have to say congratulations to you, you know, because <laughs> not very many people will embrace it. And, and of course, you know, you are a champion, so you come from a position of strength. So I congratulate you for that. Uh, one of the things, you know, thinking about this, avoiding, you know, harmful mental health stereotypes. You know, that's a big one. So how would you talk about that? Yeah, that's a great question. As far as harmful stereotypes, so there's lots of different mental illnesses. There's lots of different diagnoses. Um, some common symptoms that we find are depressive symptoms, anxiety, um, just general sadness or uh, constant disruptions in people's lives. And for harmful stereotypes, we want to avoid assuming that people that have depression are just going to be sad all the time or people that have anxiety are going to be super anxious all the time or people that are uh, have a more specialized diagnosis like schizophrenia or um, borderline personality disorder like fit into some mold that people have seen in media when actually these are whole people with whole other feelings <laughs> and, like people with depression can experience joy and that doesn't mean that they're not depressed and it doesn't invalidate their depression either so we just need to make sure that we are seeing the whole person the whole uh, of everything that they could feel and experience and go through in their lives. And so they're not boxing them into a particular stereotype like one of the ones that I just mentioned. I like that you just said that because I think the big stereotype is when you're talking to somebody or about somebody that is depressed, they are depressed. It's the only feeling they feel 24-7. It is the stereotype that we're trying to right now, I believe, as we talk about this more, to get past that. Yeah, get past it and see that there are so many different expressions of the same symptoms or mental illnesses and give people opportunity to be seen in their fullness. And that get, that moves us away from having any consequences for folks like showing weakness, showing vulnerability. If there are a lot of people that are really high functioning in their mental illness that don't want to show any of their symptoms at all. And so they part of why they don't want to is because there are these harmful stereotypes that if they say, I have depression, people are just going to think that they're just depressed all the time. And they don't want people to think that. They want people to see that they have a full life, that they can, they can have other feelings, that they can be happy, that they can experience joy as well. And so there's much more that goes into it than just the diagnosis. Well, and that's when I believe there's a lack of sometimes, and I think we're all at some point guilty of this, a lack of empathy, a lack of understanding that can do a lot of harm to both the person with those challenges and to the person that's actually trying to be the sounding board, trying to be the support system. And why is this, Desi? And what's the best way to head this off at the pass so that we don't make those mistakes? Yeah. So one of the first things I like to think about when we're trying to do this self-reflection is like, how would you want to be treated <laughs> in this situation? Let's think about that. Like best case scenario, what's the best kind of support that you could get from someone? And the answer is always that they listen to me, that they're empathetic, that they understand, that they show up, that they're consistent and all of these things. And so when we think about how to make sure that we show up for people in that way, the first thing we can do is think about how we'd want to be shown up for. And then the second thing to do is to ask people how they want to be shown up for. Um, and if we're lacking in empathy or we're lacking in that ability to relate to other people, then it's not going to 
come across as genuine or authentic when they do show up for us. And so it's really important to be open and vulnerable to feel empathy for another person. And I don't think there, any of us want to actually feel when we're talking to somebody, hey, I don't want to feel good. So please treat me badly. <laughs> yeah, you no know, one wants that. So take that. No, seriously. So take that. And if you don't want to feel that way, pretty good chance they don't want to feel that way either. Exactly. And and it, it's, it seems so simple, but it tends to go out the window sometimes because sometimes we think that we have to be like performative in our support, that we have to ask particular questions, that we have to come across in a certain way when the best thing we can do is just be real. Be like, hey, I have the bandwidth to listen to your problems right now. What can I do for you? And as you tell me, I'm going to sit here and listen to you. I'm going to actively listen. I'm going to look in your eyes. I'm going to show you my body language. I'm going to care. And that's what you want. I know Edwin's got a question here in just a second, but you said, yeah. but, 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 but she said, but Desi said something that I think you and I are going to resonate with Edwin, active listening. It's not regular listening because it's completely different. What is active listening? So active listening is a mindful practice of doing certain skills in a conversation or when you're listening to somebody that enhance that person's feeling of feeling understood and feeling seen. So that includes what you're saying. So it includes mirroring. So if someone says, oh, I had a really bad day, the, your answer could be, oh, oh, I hear that you had a bad day. What happened? Right. That shows that I heard what you said, processed it. And now I'm asking the next question. And we can do that with our body language. I, if someone leans in, I can lean in. Eye contact is really important. Or if someone's looking away from me, maybe I'm not going to look at them because they feel like that might be intimidating. Mm -hmm. So I need to read and be actively like adaptable to the situation and the person to give them a sort of listening style that they seem to respond to the most. Wow, that is exciting. That's, you know, I think what I'm hearing you is like we should just be human, you know? And, and, uh, and one of the things that is very clear is why is it that representation matters in mental health? You know, let's say you, you are a therapist especially, but really, if you are someone's support system, why is it important to not be judgmental? Yeah. So first of all, no one likes to be judged. <laughs> there's like, there's like no belief system out there where it's like, yes, we should totally judge people. And this is going to be a great idea <laughs> and people love it. So first of all, let's just avoid judgment <laughs> because no one likes to feel that way and <laughs> at all. Um, I, I also want to throw in that, like, it's really important for us to be as vulnerable as we're asking for people to be. Um, and that puts us on this level playing field with them that uh, backs us out from this habit of judgment. Because when we are vulnerable in a space, it's a lot harder for us to throw the first stone, so to speak. And so how can we create co-create environments where we both feel safe, we both feel healthy, we both feel like this is a judgment-free zone? Um, and like you had mentioned a second ago, it's about human to human connection. That's all it is. At the end of the day, every identity that we hold, every demographic that we might hold all goes out the window when someone's hurting. The one thing that we have in common is the understanding of shared suffering in, in another human. And that's how we can connect with others and step away from judgment and step into empathy and active listening. 
Noah here and across the county with two amazing people, my special co-host for the day, Edwin Edabiri, the Chief Happiness Officer, and Desi Carson. I just call her one of my favorite people that I've met in the last six months. Let's just be honest about that. And she's here to talk about... And, 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 don't, and don't forget that she's a mental health champion. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> the, I like you both very much. <laughs> the mental health champion defending her title since she was... I don't know when she got started, but it's been a while. Uh, anyway, she's part of the Inclusion Next work. And also, we're going to talk about something pretty extraordinary a little bit later on called psychotherapy. And it, it sounds strange, but it's really cool. And you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to love it. So stay tuned for that. Desi, even when people we hold dear, we have best friends, significant others, coworkers, family members. Why is it so hard for us sometimes to express feelings to others? I think we're all a little guilty of this. And I think there's a very intricate reason why that sometimes we hold back. Yeah. I think the first thing that comes to mind is, is fear. We get so afraid of how we're perceived by others um, about those perceptions sticking and, and changing how people behave towards us about wondering how that could affect the sort of emotional supports that we might get from other people. Like for example, if I'm worried about you judging me for my mental illness, or let's say I show up one day and I'm not super bubbly and I, I go to someone who I care about and they, treat me differently because they expected this super bubbly person and now they didn't get that. And they're like, what is wrong with you? I'm not getting love and affection that I need in that moment. And that is harmful. <laughs> that is very harmful. Um, and so, yeah, it's just like super important for us to be able to model that vulnerability with each other. Um, and I, I want to say that we always want to open the door for people to have conversations by creating uh, reminders and reassurances that they can be loved and cared for and that they don't have to fear consequences of sharing about themselves, that there are other people in this world that are going through what they're going through. There are people out there that are more vocal about their stories so that they don't have to be vocal about their stories, but they can get the help that they need in the meantime. And so representation matters in that space. Um, what matters is, su is support systems and just making it seem like it's okay. You know, I want to look around and feel like it's okay with whoever I talk to um, and whoever I, I can open up with. Um, but that's really hard and I need reassurances on that. So if you want people to open up to you, reassure them, reassure them in the way that they receive love and that will go so far with them. It goes back to making sure that people know you're not going to be judgmental. I mean, I know yeah. it, it sounds like an easy thing, but sometimes we put off a, a negative vibe or a vibe that comes across as harsh. And if you're that way around whoever it is that we're talking about, they're not going to open up to you. Yeah. And I want to throw in that some, someone might hear this and be like, well, why is everyone so sensitive? Like, I, I'm not going to be on all the time. I'm not going to be ready all the time for all this emotional stuff. Uh -huh. And I want to say, that's cool. It's fine say that to someone before they dump on you <laughs> their feelings and then show back up when you're ready. Exactly. Like, don't, don't just leave someone hanging. Don't just brush people aside. Everyone's allowed to not show up in their full way. And I, I think that's something interesting with mental health advocacy is that some people feel if people feel like there are excuses, I put that in air quotes, um, excuses being made for people that deal with mental illness symptoms um, they're not excuses. It's, it's allowances that everyone should be afforded, regardless if you have mental illness or not. 
everyone deserves grace. Everyone deserves to be actively listened to. Everyone deserves a support system, a community of care. And there's no reason someone shouldn't have that. And there's every reason why everyone should have it because we all go through stuff all the time. We're all human. We're all now, human. Talking <laughs> about helping though, you know, accepting that someone is dead and helping us, but not expecting anything in return, just welcome it. Why is that sometimes kind of difficult? Why is it a challenge? Yeah, the challenge with, with selfless support is that most of the time we see our interactions, it's ingrained in us to see those interactions as transactional, like transactional relationships. What can I get from you? What can you do for me? And that's not even just in a business sense, in a work sense, that can be in a friend sense. Like, I don't know if I want to be friends with you because I don't know what you're going to give me in my life. And you might just seem like a scrub. Like that is, right? We're, we're judging people for that and we're limiting our, our interactions. And um, so when it comes to helping people, it, like how do we automatically become super altruistic and super selfless and like help, and help people without expecting anything in return, that might be hard. That might be hard for you, but it's a practice. Just like physical health, mental health, it's a practice that we need to keep doing, keep practicing, keep trying, um, and remember that there is a day that all of us will need the support. Well, you and I were talking about this the other day in our pre-chat, Desi, and I think sometimes we have people that we care about very much, and obviously we want to see them succeed and thrive and we know what we've brought to the table. And maybe you don't think that you expect something back and then suddenly you don't hear it. I'm saying this because I've gone through this and you start questioning, well, do they really appreciate what I've been providing? And then you ask them and they're like, yes, I appreciated it. And you know this and I didn't have to vocalize it. And then you feel very small. Yeah. And we're, <laughs> and we're words of affirmation people. So like, you we, and I are, yes, we, we are. need to hear it. Yes, tell me are. you love me. <laughs> uh, also tell me, thank you <laughs> for everything. Often. If I bring you toilet paper from the other room, you need to thank me. <laughs> or else it's not going to be a good scene. Um, but that being said, there is a little bit of self-work that we have to do during those times because what part of us is entitled to favor and affection from someone else, right? That's, that's a very entitled feeling that can be still healthily maintained both ways. If the person on the other end knows that that's the expectation that you have of them or you, or that person, they're able to give you what you need, say the gratitude that you need or get reassurance. Like in your example, where you're like, have them say, yeah, I appreciate it, even if I don't say it every time. So that kind of puts the anxiety at ease. Yeah. Once you vocalize it, if they know that you need that appreciation and if yeah. you <laughs> need that feedback, then it's going to be a lot more likely that the next time you've given them something, they're going to give you that particular affirmation because they know you would like it. Yeah. Communication. <laughs> Wild how communication uh, solves amazing. so many things, right? <laughs> Well, I know mental health is just as important to us as physical health. We began the show that way. And when it's taken care of properly, it can be such a huge part of what makes us happier. And we need to maintain being happy, even though we're all having off days here and there. And that's where my friend, the co-host of the show today, Edwin Ediberi, comes in, the chief happiness officer. Edwin, tell us about why that's so important, that when we take care of our mental health, it's a lot easier to maintain that balance of happiness. Well, first of all, mental health 
it's something that kind of determines the whole of our existence, you know? You know, whether even our leg is going to be fine or not, it's from the, it's from the brain, it's from our mental focus and stuff. So, and I, and I, I play sports. When, when you, you kick your leg something and maybe you actually hit it, people take it very seriously, you know, because physically they can see it. But at the same time, when you hit a ball, a soccer ball, you know, your brain shakes a little bit, but nobody can see that, you know? And, and so I think we have to start treating mental health just like we do physical health because it's, it's, to me, it's not even equal. I think mental health is much more than the physical. And, and we know that the brain secretes dopamine when we are happy, okay? And, and, and dopamine goes through a whole lot of stuff to help us, you know, reduce stress and all those things. So, yes, you want to be happy, I think you should be treating your mental health just like you do your physical health. You know, I know that it's easy because, you know, you have all the different uh, genes that help to support physical health. And, and I hope that at some point we can start to have places that also help to support mental health. Edwin, I would even say, and we'll get Desi's response to this as well, that if you don't take care of your mental health, it makes it even harder to maintain your physical health. What do you th- say to that? Yeah, absolutely. Because you, if you, if you realize it, and I, and I tell people, I joke about this, okay, but it's serious. If, if, I, if I come out and you ask me, how are you? And I cannot tell you I am happy, I go back to bed. Okay, <laughs> because I know that I'm not ready to meet the world. I don't want to drag people down, you know? And so I, I check myself. And yes, as a chief happiness officer, people expect me to be happy. And, and that's it. this goes back to what you were saying earlier on, that if, if somebody is depressed, people just think they should be depressed all the time. I have actually seen it on my own side too, you know, because I'm chief happiness officer and people just expect me to be happy all the time, you know? Mm. And they forget I'm still human and life still happens. And yes, I have the right to be sad also, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we all should be able to go through all the emotions without feeling like we are being judged, you know, no matter what that is. So yeah, I, I feel like if you take care of your mental health, I mean, your physical health have a better chance. Desi, what do you say to that? Yeah, I think one thing that I would add, which I agree with everything that Edwin is saying, and there's a lot of powerful insight in there, is that with mental health especially, um, you know, we think of health sometimes as like like peak of physical fitness, right? You, you think of this like Adonis body or something like that. Um, but health is really about resiliency. It's really about when something comes along, can you deal with it? Are you going to be broken? Is something going to get broken in your body? Or are you going to be able to get through it? Are you going to be able to get through it? And if we're making parallels to physical health, it's like you're challenging your body in a way and your body will break under a certain amount of pressure, but you are building yourself up to take more and more of that pressure. Which is why physically when you go, you know, you don't go, okay, I want to lift 500 pounds. Let's get at it. No, you make small challenges so that your body is able to build up that resiliency and then eventually you can lift 500 pounds. Yes, exactly. And that resiliency is, is important because we ebb and flow through the maintenance of our own mental health and physical health and all types of health in general. Like 
Edwin was saying, life happens and sometimes we're not we're not going to hit the gym every day. <laughs> and so when we don't hit the gym mentally, like, are we going to be OK? And if not, what's the plan? I like what you said, hitting the gym mentally, because it really is about exercising your emotions and your brain in order to maintain kind of a healthy level of, of mentality. Yeah, and celebrate our gains. <laughs> All the time. And, and, and I just want to kind of add to that, and Desi, I want to get your take on this too, is like when people are struggling to go to the gym and the people recommend, hey, get a body that can hold you accountable, you know? Mm. How can somebody also do that with a mental health, you know, where they are not feeling like, you know, going through any kind of training or stuff? How can you get a mental health body? that can kind of help you and both of you help each other. Yeah, honestly, Edwin, I would say buddies, plural. Like we need several buddies in our corner. Um, and, yeah. and different buddies can have different roles so that the whole of the support system, you know, everyone can play a different role so it's not too burdensome on one person because sometimes that yeah. can be exhausting. That being said, within that community, within that buddy system, within the community of care, if someone has the capability and can take on more of an accountability role and a more like intense role with your mental health, then get their consent and make a plan on what can be helpful and be really transparent and clear about where you might be are or where you might be at in different places on your mental health journey and what you might need during those different times. For example, my therapist was like, maybe you should make a playlist for when you're like depressed and then make a playlist for when you're manic and then put those together and then like just transition it <laughs> so then it's really interesting to to think about listening to something like that like I'm swinging out of one mood and trying to get into another um thanks therapist or or my partner is my partner is very very supportive and uh is also very aware of some of my symptoms that can be sort of self-sabotage so for example if I'm having more depressive symptoms I might not take my meds for like a week and that's not good. Anyone that is taking any meds for mental illness, do not skip your meds. It's not good for you. <laughs> um, but the fact is that my partner will hold me accountable and sometimes either like check my pills or like just ask me because I also don't lie. It's very hard for me to lie. And so, especially when someone knows you. And so that's just a small example of like when someone has the information to hold you accountable and they have the willingness and the the emotional energy to do so, it can be a beautiful, beautiful thing that can help keep you on track. Love that. Love that. Now we got a couple of minutes left on the show. I knew we were going to run out of time. We'll have <laughs> to do this again, the three of us. But before we leave Desi, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, psychotherapy, and I know this sounds interesting to some people. They're like, what? what is that? Well, I know about it now and you know about it, obviously. Share with our audience what it is and people can go to psychotherapy.org as you explain. And by the way, as we're getting the answer, I just want Edwin to know that in psychotherapy are the letters CHO, which probably makes <laughs> Desi her very own chief happiness officer. We're both chief happiness officers. Yay. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, no, no. We, we definitely need more chief happiness officer in this world. For real. <laughs> You've recruited me, Edwin. That was great. Um, yes. Yeah, so by the power better than me, you are going to be a great CHO. <laughs> Thank you for your blessing. Um, so yeah, psychotherapy, what we do basically is fight for equitable mental health care access for people of color through salons and barbershops by training the stylists and barbers to give 
lay mental health care to people in the community. Um, they get trained on mental health first aid. And as you know, people go into their hair salons or barbershops and spill all their secrets. And they've had the same barber for 26 years. And <laughs> so they know everything about them. And so we, we wanted to do is equip those folks with mental health skills. Um, because when you have an environment where vulnerability is being shared, then we need people that are trained to take care of those feelings in a way that's helpful. And we also help them refer folks to mental health professionals so people can get the help that they need. I absolutely love that. And as we wrap up, I also want to give Edwin a platform. He's author of Creating a Brighter Future, which can be obtained if you go to askthecho.com. Edwin, what can people expect other than happiness, of course, when they pick up a copy of the book? Well, for one, there is the saying that the best way to predict the future is to create it. And so I've always encouraged people to tap into that inside power to create the kind of future they want. You know, one of my saying is that you do not allow the past or the future to rob you of the present because the present is where creation happens. And when you really look at it, it's the present where happiness happens. So we can create our own happiness right in the moment. I absolutely love it. Also, when you're at askthecho.com, there's some I am happy pins. And I know it sounds fun and it is because they're very fun and colorful looking pins. Pick one up. I'm going to be picking up a couple for sure. And I want people to be able to reach out to both of you. Desi, my wonderful guest at inclusionnetwork.org, psychotherapy.org. Any other way that the listening audience can reach out to you? Yeah. So if we go on the websites, you can see my email address and I'll say it here. My email is Desi, D-E-S-I period Carson, C-A-R-S-O-N at inclusionnextwork.org. That's right. It's next work. I said network <laughs> and it's next work. So don't get it confused. Inclusionnextwork.org. What about you, Edwin? I know we've been pointing people to askthecho.com and happyneighborhoodproject.com. If people want to reach out to you, find out more about your book, find out how they can get more happy. What's the best way to do that? Yeah. So the first, of course, is come to the happyneighborhoodproject.com. We have a lot of events. Right now, we host about 65 events every week for those who are business owners or professionals that want to network with like-minded people. And then on the 18th of this month, we are actually celebrating the International Day of Happiness. So that's going to be a virtual event that we are celebrating from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Pacific time. That's 12 noon to about 6 p.m. Eastern. And to reach me, just say email me. I think that's also a very good one. It's Edwin, that's E-D-W-I-N, at H-N-P-A-D-C.com. That's H-N-P-A-D-C.com. I am glad you brought up the International Day of Happiness. It's something we can all look forward to. And thank you both so much for coming on the show and talking about the importance of mental health and about being happy and about how the two intersect. And we definitely have to get to a lot more. I had about <laughs> half a page worth of stuff I wanted to get to. So we'll do a part two here very shortly. I'm ready. Just let me know. You know my number. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm sending out the happiness signal, Edwin. So get ready because we're going to have to have you back on as part of this discussion. Yeah, no, I am. Uh, especially this is what I live for because I believe, and you, you know that every human being deserves to be happy. And, and any way I can contribute to that, 
that's what I live for. Love it. Well, thank you to both for coming on the show. It's Across the County. I'm Noah. Check out more about Desi Carson and the Chief Happiness Officer, Edwin Nedeberry. Stay tuned. There's more coming up.